Good morning, everybody. I've had a couple of people ask me about the university ministry and how, how it's going. It, it really is a good opportunity for us to serve the community, but it does take a long time to really build relationship and connection with people, to be able to open their hearts, to be able to share the gospel. So please be praying for me and, and all the other people involved uh, that we have more opportunities and things, and um, hopefully we can advance the kingdom of God through there. Let me just pray for us this morning as we begin. Father, we thank you that we can gather now for... A few moments around your word, Lord. I pray, Father, that the message that will go out to your people today is not a message that I want to send to them, Lord, but a message that you want to send to them, Lord. For wherever their hearts are at, Lord, for whatever is going on in their personal life, Lord, we pray that in these few moments we can gather in a posture of worship, Lord, as we celebrate and we proclaim our risen Lord in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you today about a conversation, about a topic you probably don't care about. Is that all right? See, I found the best way to talk to people about things they don't care about is just to tell them that you're about to talk to them about something they don't care about. Right? But the other day, I was starting to think a bit about why do we have last names? Like, I get the fact that it's easier for us to identify each other, but why do we actually have last names? In the Bible, people didn't have last names. Like, Jesus' last name is not Christ. It's a title that was, that was given to him. So why do we have last names today? Mary Magdalene's last name isn't Magdalene. It's the name of the village she was from, and that's how she became identified. And I started flicking around through the Bible, and don't quote me on this because I could be wrong. I think Pontius Pilate is probably the only person who's given a sort of last name in the Bible. I couldn't find anybody else who has a last name in the Bible. And in fact, Pontius Pilate is not even his full name. His full name was Marcus Pontius Pilate. And often what happened is that they would be given names according to the village they were from or the job that they had or even a sort of nickname. So Pilate was a nickname given to Pontius. So why do we have last names today? I became interested in this topic and decided, well, I might look it up and start to do a bit of research to find out while we have last names. And it wouldn't surprise you to notice that different nations and different empires developed last names at different periods of their history. China has probably had the longest history when it comes to last names. But there's an interesting fact about, about China. China today, for a country of only a billion people, they only have less than 4,000 last names. 80% of the population all share within a pool of about 100 names. So it must get really, really confusing. And obviously in countries like, like Vietnam, Nguyen is across about 30% of the population. Right? So if we developed a system of last names in order to identify people, we still didn't really resolve the problem. So why do we have last names? And, and then I sort of started looking, why are there so many Smiths? Why are there so many Taylors? Why are there so many Woods and Greens and Hills and Shorts and Browns? Right? And it's all got to do with the fact that when people were choosing last names, they typically picked things like the village they were from, which is why you have so many people named Green or Wood. Sometimes it was to do with their occupation, you know, blacksmith, smith. That's why we have a lot of smiths today. Baker, obviously, is a common one. And sometimes it was just a clever sort of pun, like the reason why we have so many people with the last name Jenner is because it's short for engineer. People who liked beer started taking the name Brewster. But you're probably wondering to yourself, well, well, why is all this important if nobody in the Bible had last names? What's the importance of this? And the reason why it's important is this, is that our names 
don't really carry any intrinsic value. They don't really carry any value. If you went up to McDonald's now after the service and said, I want a Big Mac and I want it for free, Jason Jeremiah said so, they're not going to give you the Big Mac for free. They could, but they're probably not. Right? If you, next time you go out to buy a car, mention my name and see what happens. <laughs> right? But there are some people whose name does carry authority, very significant authority. For instance, Donald Trump. Vladimir Putin. These guys' name carries authority. If Donald Trump comes out tomorrow and says, and says, we're going to have a trading war with China, suddenly every single one of us are paying astronomical fees for our petrol. Right? His name carries authority. Simply by him saying something, even if he doesn't mean it, it carries authority. If you want any bigger evidence of that, look what happened in the stock market this week, where billions of dollars was cut off the stock market just because of things that Donald Trump has said. So there are people whose names carry intrinsic meaning. In the ancient world, names carried power. They carried meaning. If I went somewhere in the name of Caesar, if I went somewhere in the name of a king, it carried authority. It carried meaning. What I said had power. What I said had value. In the ancient world, if a delegate went to another empire in the name of another king, that delegate typically carried immunity because they came in the name of a king. If you were to kill that delegate, which sometimes happened, it would be an immediate declaration of war. Names in the ancient world carried more authority than they do today. So when Peter and John begun preaching the gospel in the book of Acts, it shouldn't surprise us that the question people started asking is, in whose name are you doing these things? By whose authority are you doing these things? I want the name of the person you represent, because that name is where you're getting your authority from. And Peter one day comes out with this powerful statement publicly we can make a mistake in skipping over it sometimes, but his audience would have hit onto this thing straight away. Peter made this bold declaration, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Did you pick up what he's saying? He's saying, this is the name. I'm not coming in the name or the authority of Trump. I'm not coming in the name of Caesar. I'm coming in the only name that has any value under heaven. That is the name. That is the name that carries the authority. That is the name that carries the power. Nothing else. Salvation is found in no other name. Under heaven, no one else has been given authority and power. This is the only name. The name Jesus was the sixth most common name from Jew for Jewish boys at that time. The sixth most common name. Simon was the most common boy's name. John was about fifth on the list. Judas was about fourth. And Judas obviously ruined the name Judas. Right? There's no coming back for any person named Judas after what Judas did. Right? Uh, dare I say it? It's like having the name Kim Jong-il. There is no coming back. For any person in that, in that category, right? 
Jesus was the sixth most common boy's name, so why did this particular Jesus have any sort of authority? Why did Jesus, who was known as the Christ, or Jesus, who was known as the one from Nazareth, or this Jesus, the one who was known as the son of Mary, or this Jesus, who was known as the son of the carpenter, have any sort of authority? Why? Why him? Why his name was Peter and John coming in? And I want you to notice something even more important. Peter offers a clever pun. For he says, salvation is found in no one else because there is no other name by which we are to be saved. Do you hear that word salvation coming twice in that passage? Jesus' name, Yeshua in the Hebrew means the Lord saves. So what he's saying is salvation is found in the one who means the Lord saves because in his name no one else can be saved. That's what he's saying, which is why when the angel came to Mary and the angel came to Joseph in the dream, this is what was proclaimed today to them. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine somebody coming to you and saying to you, this is what you are to name the child, unborn child? What parent would give that authority to somebody else? But Mary and Joseph are not ordinary parents. For the name selected for Jesus is the name that God the Father has bestowed upon Jesus. For this is the name by which all people must be saved. This is the name that comes with authority. And in the context of this passage, which we looked at last week, Peter and John have gone out proclaiming the gospel and they go to the temple and one day they find outside the temple a beggar who is lame. By the description of lame, it probably means he had some sort of physical disability in his legs or his feet, preventing him from being able to work. So they come across this beggar and Peter heals this beggar in the name of Jesus, not by his own authority or his own power, but in the name of Jesus. And this strikes a bit of a problem. Because the whole Jewish community, everybody who witnessed this, were awestruck. But the gospel message was an outlawed message. It was a banned message. Jesus had been killed. People didn't want this message to be circulated and to spread the idea that Israel has a king. So the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, a group of 70 men, summoned Peter, summoned John and says, by whose authority, by whose name are you doing these, these things? We want to know. You have to stop it. And the thing that was irking them even more was the fact that they were preaching about a name which had been resurrected. You see, Jesus' name was supposed to be buried. It was supposed to be buried in the sands of history. What happened when the archaeologists went out and dug up the pyramids? They found names of pharaohs which for centuries had been buried. That was supposed to happen to Jesus. Jesus, this criminal who had blasphemed, his name was supposed to be buried. But these guys were preaching about a name which had been resurrected through the power of God. And the Sadducees who rejected the idea of resurrection didn't want to hear a bar of it. But I want to say three things about this because we're talking today about making a difference. And how is it that we make a difference in the name of Jesus? Well, there's three things I want to say about it. With this Parkside Church, we preach three-point sermons. Right? We should have a, a sermon tax. Per, ser- per point you hear, the more offering you have to give. It's like the temple tax. Right? 
I might use that joke in the second service as well. But the three things I want to I want to I want to I want to communicate today have a simple acronym. Right? We all did our tax recently, so we probably went to a chartered accountant. So my acronym today is CPA. The first thing we need if we are going to come in the name of Jesus is we need courage. We need courage. Think about what happened recently in the city with the, with the stabbing. What did it take for the three men who stopped any further Stabbings from taking place. It took courage and a chair and a milk crate, of course. But it took courage. Courage is probably the biggest thing. Probably courage and time is probably the, big, are probably the biggest things that are missing from a lot of Christians today. But notice, notice when Peter and John stood in front of the 70 most powerful Jewish men of that day, this is what was said about them. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Did you notice that? When they saw the courage of these men. It, they don't say, when we saw the miracle that these men had done, when we listened to anything that these guys had to say, but rather when we saw the courage that they had, they took note that these men had been with who? That they had once been with Jesus. They realized that Jesus had given his life for them, and that act of being simply in the presence of Jesus had given them courage to carry out the mission assigned for them. And that is true in each and every situation of our lives. People will take note of our courage and realize that it was because we were with Jesus. How many times have you gone through a period of suffering in your life, but you have had the boldness to still proclaim the name of Jesus and people have realized this person is different? This person, though they may be unschooled, though they may be ordinary men and women, though they may be people who are going through incredible periods of suffering, they are with Jesus. Your courage in the world, your boldness to proclaim Jesus is what people will take note of. Where is your courage? Is your courage found in your bank balance? Does that give you your, your hope and your courage for the future? Is your courage and your hope found in what the doctor says about your health? Or is your courage found in the name above all other names? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Every person goes through weakness. Every person is ordinary. But Jesus makes us extraordinary. Jesus is the one from whom we get our courage from. The biggest issue, the biggest issue today affecting our young people is that they are a bunch of whiners who are entitled. I say that without fear. Our generation, my generation, are a bunch of whiners and complainers. We have no courage. That is easily observable. Not in every person, but as a whole. 
That is the shame of our generation. Our generation should not be called generation millennials. Our generation should be called, get me a tissue because I can't find anything to watch on Netflix. If World War II was to happen today, my generation would lose the war. You want to know why? Because all the Nazis would have to do would be to shut off the Wi-Fi. And we would surrender. Danny, am I wrong? We lack courage. We have to look to God to be the source of our courage. We are pathetic that we have the name of Jesus, the name of salvation, and yet we are still weak. Yet we are still weak. But there is good news because the second thing we carry in the name of Jesus is power. We carry power. What did Jesus say to his disciples? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. We have the power of Jesus. Where our courage lacks, we have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Jesus did not leave us as orphans. He did not leave us powerless in the battle. He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is not the book of Acts of the Apostles. It is the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what the famous Scottish minister, William Barclay, once said. We have power. And they asked Peter, by what power or by what name have you done this? Because sorcerers and magicians in the ancient world would do miraculous things or perform great public spectacles, great works. And they wanted to know, by what power have you done this? What magician have you gone to? What sorcerer have you gone to? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, declared the message of salvation boldly to them. We have power. Your life and my life is the same as the apostles. We aren't called to declare our own name. We are called in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to declare the name of Jesus. As Jeremiah said, but God made the earth by his power, and he preserves it by his wisdom. With his own understanding, he stretched out the heavens. When he speaks in thunder, the heavens roar with rain. He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and releases the wind from its storehouses. We come with the power of God. The third thing we come with is authority. Whenever Jesus gives his people a mission, he gives them authority to carry out that mission. Right at the beginning, the mission given to Adam and Eve came with authority as well. Notice what God said to them. He blessed them and he said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. 
and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food. And it was so. God gave Adam and Eve the commission to be fruitful and multiply, but he gave them authority to rule over the earth, his creation. And Jesus, when he was recreating the world in his image after the resurrection, what did he say to his disciples? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What is Jesus saying to us? He's saying, although I have given you authority, do not rejoice in the authority I've given you. Rejoice in the fact that I have given you a name in heaven. The name which is above all names has given us a name in heaven. How important. How special does it make us? But it still amazes me today. It really amazes me today that there are people who think they have the authority to speak on behalf of Jesus. What? The only person who speaks on behalf of Christians is Christ. He is the only one who has the authority to make pronouncements on any issue. I don't care about the fact that we democratically elected our politicians. Jesus is the only one with the authority to speak on when life begins in the womb and when life ends. He is the only one who has the authority. No one else. But why is it that today people still think that they have the authority to make pronouncements or speak on behalf of Jesus? Jesus is the name with the authority. As Paul said, he has set a day when he would judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He doesn't say by the politicians he has appointed, by the political representatives he has appointed. He says by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I want to close with this. I want to close with this. Would any of you go to North Korea today and walk up to the God-like man regarded as God to his people, Kim Jong-un, and say to him, you have 30 days to repent or God is going to bring a wasteland to this land. That's what God did for jo to Jonah. He said, Jonah, you go into the North Korea of his day and you say, make this message to them. You say this message to them. Does it surprise us that Jonah ran off in the other direction? If God said, Jason, you've got to go to North Korea, I'm not running west. I'm not running away from North Korea. I'd be running all the way to Antarctica. Right? But in North Korea today, the name of Kim Jong-un carries sole authority. Thousands have been purged because of him and his family, the God-like Kim Jong family. They are the name above all names in Japan, in, in North Korea. When Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father, was born, his birth was so dramatic, even Jesus would blush. 
It was said that the most famous glacier in North Korea froze over. There was a double rainbow in the sky. Cranes, the bird of North Korea, flew over the skies to announce his birth. And there was even a new star in the sky announcing his birth. This is the God. This is the name above all other names. And since that time, Christians have been persecuted unmercifully. But I want to tell you something about the name above all names in North Korea. I hope he has good knees. I really do. Because he's going to need them to bow before the real king one day. He's going to need them. And remember this, what Jesus said. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The name of Jesus bows to no one. Jesus is not intimidated by any person. And what I find the most amazing thing about Jesus is that even in a country like North Korea, he won't let his message fall void. He won't. Because the underground church thrives still, even in the midst of persecution. One man who fled out of North Korea said this. He said, I felt that there was an invisible hand guiding me, guiding me over the mines, guiding me away from the electric fences. It was the will of God. And today, Voice of Martyrs has, has filmed some of the work being done in North Korea and the way that missionaries are still trying to get the gospel in there simply by stitching Bible verses into people's jackets and shipping the clothes to North Korea. Things like putting Bibles into air balloons and sending them over the demilitarized zone with GPS tracking to make sure that they land in villages. Jesus is the name above all names. He bows to no one. And he has given us the courage to come in his name. He's given us the power to fulfill our mission. He's given us the authority to fulfill our mission. And how else should we end? But of course with the name, with the words of Paul. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth at the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you so much, Lord. I do thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have brought us here today. You brought us to, to hear your word, Lord. And we come humbly, Lord, wanting to know how it is that we make a difference in this world. Father, only through you can we make a difference in this world. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters before me, Lord, that you might give us the confidence and the boldness to come powerfully in your name, like your disciples did in the early church, Lord. But we recognize, Lord, that our life must be in full submission to you, Lord, if we are to be effective. Father, prune our hearts, Lord. Change our hearts, Lord, for the things in our life that you find unpleasing, Lord. May you transform them into pleasing things, Lord. And for those of us who maybe at this point are going through a particular struggle, whatever that might be, Lord, we recognize that you have authority over our struggle, Lord. And we pray that as a church, Lord, you will send us out to continue this great vision of yours, Lord,
to make disciples of all nations. In Jesus' name, amen.